0: Hello, this is Doug Wyatt. I want to welcome you to our podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number 25. In our podcast, I hope to discuss with us as scientists and scientific thinkers how we might think, react, rationalize, and accept ourselves in relationship to God as Christians and followers of Jesus. I hope you have listened to our podcast 1 through 24 and encourage you to do so if you have not. As a reminder, I am a PhD scientist, published and with patents, and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. With many of my friends in science, technology, and engineering, I have chatted with and discussed our thoughts on Christ and Christianity, the Creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with our scientific training and thought processes. I truly understand and have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to merge in our modern technological and skeptical world, yet I know that many feel, sense, hear a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider and to discuss through our podcast that this is our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. I offer this series of podcasts as a scientist and a Christian, Consideration of Christianity as a Scientist. In this podcast, we want to discuss and to consider how to live and believe as a Christian while being a scientist. I have friends, good friends and colleagues, who say that this is impossible. Our conversations are always interesting and meaningful. I believe that it is, in many ways, a very complementary coexistence. In our previous 24 podcasts, we've talked about many things. God the Bible, Christianity, history, faith, and science, so many different things, and we try to integrate these into a system that us as scientific and critical thinkers can accept while knowing this topic is often perceived as irrational or simplistic. I have even heard it described as primitive, this whole concept of Christianity. I also know that all that have listened to these podcasts and from various global philosophical forums, knows that the teaching of Christianity, if they are followed in their true form, that there is no philosophy, no code of ethics, no mantra, that there is nothing better for interactions of humans, our relationships with each other and with God. For many humans on this earth, one of the questions that keeps coming up, and I often ask it of myself, and my friends and I discuss, Okay, so if there is a creator God and if he has done all of the things that we've talked about, how or why do we need this Jesus person? Why do we need something, someone, another deity, other than the creator God you keep talking about? And why doesn't this God just interact directly with us? I want to chat about this for the next few minutes. I hope everyone has listened to our previous podcast where we have discussed various themes leading up to this podcast particularly our last two or three podcasts, where we have talked about the trilemma associated with Jesus. Either he did not exist, he was a crazy man, or he is who he said he was, because I believe that we can discuss these in terms of if-then or if-and-then statements and questions. I also hope you listened to our early podcast where we talked about the nature of God and the beginnings of Christianity. Listening to those thoughts helps our discussion in this podcast. I also am assuming that if you are listening to our discussion, you believe or are are at least open to the fact that Jesus existed. In our earlier podcast, we discussed this a bit and the impact of his life on history. One of the most concurrent historians to Jesus, Josephus, certainly believed he existed, but as even more proof, consider the impacts of Jesus. But for a moment. Let's consider other historical figures we only know through their legacy. Just to guide our reference, consider Alexander the Great. We have all studied him, know the histories and know the stories, so assume he existed. No one has definitively found his tomb to date. So we believe the histories as verified by the impacts of his military conquests, his changes to ancient geopolitics, statues made of him, all the written histories of him, his legacy. Do we have physical bodily evidence? Not really. Temujin, and pardon my pronunciation of that, known more commonly as Genghis Khan, we have likenesses, written history, geopolitical results, all kinds of resultant evidence. But physical evidence? Not really, at least not yet. Do we believe he existed? Absolutely, we know it. There is no historical reason not to believe that the man Jesus existed using these same criteria. There is little to no argument to say that he did not exist, considered as history by the Romans. So Jesus existed, check. Crazy man? Well, his earthly ending and subsequent history suggest otherwise. He must be who he said he was as recorded by credible witnesses and historians such as Josephus, and considered as history by the Romans, the resultant changes that occurred in Palestine and in the Roman dominated world, and the fact that just after a few decades, there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. We talked about that very early in our podcast series. Jesus existed, so why was Jesus necessary? Why this bloody crucifixion mess? Why did God need to have an only begotten son, an alpha and omega? Why did God need to do this if as he said, as we said before, he created everything? He is the source of everything. He is everything. Why was a Jesus necessary? Well, that's been a question for me for a long time. So our next step is to consider that he is who he said he was and did what he is reported as having done. Many intellectual men, many deists, firmly believe in God and much, even everything the Bible says. Yet they question whether Jesus was God's son or was a prophet or just a really charismatic man. That he existed is generally not questioned due to the historical references from scholars and historians, dated ancient writings citing his teaching and actions, and certainly the consequences of his presence, life, and impact. Scholars such as Origen, who lived 185 to 354 CE, wrote about the two natures of Christ and the need for a mediator between God and humanity. His statement, talking about Jesus, as follows, Therefore, with his soul acting as a mediator between God and flesh, for it was not possible for the nature of God to be mingled with flesh without a mediator. There was born the God-man, Deus Homo, that substance being the connecting link which would assume a body without denying its own nature. This was one of the first attempts at reconciling why Jesus. Then there was Arius writing around 321 of the Christian era, developing the Arian philosophy, also called the Arian heresy, believing Jesus was human, not divine, but first among the creatures, preeminent in rank among all creatures yet created. Strangely, many scientific thinkers I know are willing to accept the Arian version of Jesus, but not the deus homo, God as a man or in man form version. These two extremes will sort of be our bounding conditions. So let's talk about why Jesus. Why did God need or want a mediator between himself and us? To me, this is the key concept, maybe even the crux, of our discussions about considering Christianity as a scientist. Of course, the question itself assumes that we accept the existence of, even the potential existence of, a Supreme Creator God as we have discussed several times in previous podcasts. The nature of God, as we have discussed, is so incredible, the concept concept of the divine so big, that it exceeds our grasp of understanding. Remember our chat about Anselm's ontological explanation that God is the highest thought possible to us? If this concept is true, then we need to try and understand, or at least believe, that this amazing creator, God, can cram himself into the form of a human, and why in all of the universe that we know would he want to do that? I am a big fan of, and not necessarily in order, logic and conditional statements, Bayesian analysis, and likelihood consequence risk analysis. These have helped me greatly in my career in research, science, and technology management. They also help me greatly in analyzing my beliefs. To start, let's imagine God and describe what he has to be, given all of our previous podcast discussions, with the full understanding that since we are the created, by definition, we have to be a step, for lack of a better word, below him, way below him, and therefore lack the capability to fully conceive of him. That was a long sentence. It is not necessary that we discuss other created beings to understand God, although some have done that. Evaluate the creator by what he has created. This adds way too much human to the concept of God and is a tool of those who want to bring God into a more human and manageable form. To me, this is true hubris. Using our if-and-then thought process, and we are created and cannot fully conceive of him because he is not corporeal as we are and must be visualized as a spirit, then we accept a being that exists with no corporeal form. This is hard to do in our frame of reference because we have no real concept of what is a spirit, and there are roughly a dozen definitions of the term spirit, and from the movies and television, many scary and humorous forms. God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth, says John chapter 4. In fact, several definitions of the word spirit, the Greek pneuma, in various forms meaning breath, soul, wind, all implying the force of life that little bit of God that gives us being, is used in the Bible. He is apart from our physical experiential existence, completely apart, the meaning of the concept of being holy. He exists out of the framework of what we experience as time. All that is known or can be known is contained within him and must be revealed. Christianity is a revealed religion. Well, that is spirit. I expect we all have a universal understanding of what truth is. If not, then I assume it means what our basic dictionary understands it to be. The body of real things, events, and facts, transcendent and fundamental reality, is spirit and truth, then spiritual reality. We must worship God as open, honest, real, naked, afraid as we can be, presuming nothing. The second assumption of this question is that we needed a mediator between ourselves and our creator God. Belief of God's existence accepted. Even with my own studies, my own beliefs and experiences, my references from the great and historic theologians and scientists, I have to go very slow and deliberate in this discussion because I cannot live, could not live, with the thought that I might teach or discuss something that was flagrantly, ignorantly, callously wrong. I pray before every podcast preparation. We ask the question why a supreme God would choose a human form of himself to interface with humans. I want to consider it from the perspective of free will and hubris. First of all, if God is everything that we have said he is in our previous podcasts, then he is the greatest of all things that we can imagine. Again, remember Anselm. Add the Bible's insight that no man can see the face of God, I understand that to be a real condition, Then I believe that it's extremely difficult if not impossible without God's immediate action for us as created beings of matter and energy to stand before the spirit of God. I mean, we just evaporate as a very cumbersome thought. I really don't know the words. What keeps coming to my mind is that scene from the Steven Spielberg film Raiders of the Lost Ark. The scene where the Nazis have the Ark on the island and they're trying to perform the Jewish ritual to open the Ark. Harrison Ford's Dr. Indiana Jones and Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood are tied to a post while Paul Freeman as rival French archaeologist René Bellac is dressed in priestly robes performing a ceremony to open the Ark while the Gestapo and SS Nazis watch. Jones realizes the potential threat and orders himself and Marion to close their eyes. Belloc opens the Ark. There is a glowing, swirling power and emanating spirits with enormous power, which basically melts all the evil Nazis and cleanses the evil, leaving Indiana and Marion. I do not believe God would melt people like that, but I sort of visualize that when I think about what it would be like to stand before God from a sense of hubris. Making ourselves equal to God, having the right to stand before God, demanding to stand before God. I believe that that hubris is what would cause us to instantaneously, well, from a lack of a better word, be chastised. We have to be in truthful, humble, clean, with purity in heart and mind, in spirit form, to even come close to God. But, however, God can come close to us. I personally like this Indiana Jones analogy, and while not being an academically qualified or experienced archeologist, I have always been interested in the field and follow archeological studies and programs. I've even performed some field geological and geophysical surveys used to support archeological excavations. All this said, Let's talk about God's historical and recorded interaction with us. It has always been gentle, except in one or two cases. First of all, we were created and exist. The first interaction of God is recorded in the Genesis creation story, the initial reaction of the relationship between God and man. I will not judge anyone if they do not believe the biblical truth of the Genesis story is factual. For myself, I believe it is the story of the relationship between God and his created peoples that contains key information to help us understand our relative position with God. Here's what happened. Adam and Eve had perfection, but because they had free will and there was a jealous outside influence, the serpent that confused lied, and taught them hubris, they decided to go against the wishes of the creator. There were repercussions from this, that the ideal creation at which humans were given was taken away. Think about that just a minute. Humans decided that they could do something that God had prohibited. It was a free will choice, even though it had persuasive outside influence. Humans were given free will, and using that free will, with the negative impact of that decision, all of a sudden humans now had to compete for their position on this planet. It was a harsh learning proposition. But God did not take away our free will, nor did he destroy mankind. Later, as humans developed using their free will, their hubris increased to the point where they were ignoring and denying God in favor of themselves, our own intellect and abilities. They were practicing and doing things that did not worship the creator, but did worship created things, matter, not spirit, and violated our relationship with God. God reacted. And he reacted to what is called the Great Flood. And the Great Flood is a universal human story. And it was much harsher than his treatment of us in the Adam and Eve story. A great percentage of the population was destroyed, according to the story, in favor of those who were closer to worshipful, had faith, and did not have the level of hubris that the rest of mankind had developed. But still, that was not the physical presence of God. It was the spirit or action of God, just as in the creation story. In all of this, Christians believe that God, as fully omniscient, knew he was going to have to personally visit with us to get us back on the original course. I personally don't understand why, because we are weak, small, not very impressive creatures, yet we seem to be possibly the only creature that we know of that was created with the free will to choose to love God in a world where we were presented choices. As an aside, I believe this is also why humans have an inquisitive and analytical mind to evaluate our free will. It is also the cause of our hubris. the Old Testament, there are numerous accounts of God trying to bring his people closer to himself by providing direction, even audio and visual aids, to help with the free will and hubris issues we had. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, many prophets and wise and often very imperfect leaders, think David and his writings, Solomon and his writings, literature that crosses all of human variability and espouses goodness, joy, praise, trust in God, closeness to God, in general, how to be a good human in a relationship with our creator and our fellows. All of those things were attempts by God to restore the original thought processes he wanted for these free will-bearing creations. All mankind has wanted to do, full of hubris, is to develop all kinds of workarounds, workarounds, ways to ignore, ways to change this desire by God to our benefit. Or maybe we developed other gods so that we would not have to do what we were intended to do. Again, hubris, we decided since we have free will, we had the ability and the knowledge to make decisions of what was best for ourselves, our world. That was without God, and there are many stories in the Old Testament showing ways in which God tried to correct his people, reward those who realized this was happening, and the rest is history. It is a fair question to ask why God, who knows everything, made everything, and gave us free will, who obviously knew what was going to happen with his creation, would allow this to happen. I don't really have an answer for that other than the fact that he did, but I think it's very important to him that we have free will to decide to love him, follow him, be with him. I think that's what he wants, and that's the reason we were given free will. That said... He also knew that we would continue to fail in doing this and wanted to give some sort of maximum effort from our perspective. Many believe that there is a war in heaven, good versus evil, Satan and his evil angels and demons fighting against the light. It makes for good novels and movies. Think about this from a hubris perspective, and why would people believe that? If this is true, then it diminishes God and his power and control. This thought construct was created because of hubris, because we wanted something to potentially limit God's power relative to us, make him more like us, and give ourselves a pass as being more than we are. God has the full power and authority to just demand, just make us worship him. No doubt. He does not want this or else it would be that way. I know I am very thankful and appreciative of why he gave us our free will. I'm not sure all of the created beings in the universe have free will. I am not sure all created beings in the universe have the ability to be evil or sinful. But because humans do have that ability, and we do it too well, God decided to provide a way for him to relate to us that would not destroy us, would not impact our free will. He made a part of himself as us. We already have his spirit that is part of us, that is able to sense the divine. We already have that. But he had to give us himself as we are as the ultimate way to allow our free will to exist, but yet experience all these negative evil things we were doing, could do, and show us that we did not have to do them, choose to do them, and that there was a better way. The original way God wanted. This was and is Jesus, God and man, flesh and spirit, everything we are, and everything God is. Jesus decided to come himself, walk like we walk, talk like we talk, live as we live, and teach us the right way to be, and then knowing that we could learn, could decide with free will, taught us what to do so that we could rejoin him, what it took to have a clean heart, the pure spirit necessity of joining him, but full well knowing we could not get there 100%. He made it possible by showing the rest of creation, our adversaries. He was willing to allow himself to be destroyed, but impossible to overcome. That yes, he was living as a man just like us. And because of him and us, his created, if we return to truth, we could not be destroyed and were eternal to spend with him. Jesus became and was the confirming data, the proof point, as he said, the Alpha and Omega. Jesus allowed himself to go through the entire process of being human. He was born a human and had to grow up, but a human had to have parents and siblings as a human. He had to work around people as a human. He had to deal with all of the physical problems of being a human. He had to deal with all of the emotional problems of being a human. He had to experience everything. He did. He also allowed himself to have free will as a human. We know this from his teachings that he taught the original goal and plan from God for humans. Everything he said was the original golden plan, forgotten by humans. That's what Jesus taught. He was the big bang of our salvation and relationship to God. That's what God wants for His created human beings. But because we could, could not, or would not, because of hubris, do, behave, believe as God intended, Jesus allowed himself to absorb all of the evil the sin, all of the hubris, all those things for all time for all humans ever that were or that would be as a burden for a split second across all the universe. He took care of all of this at once. All we have to do is claim that event, claim that action, claim that Jesus is our savior and follow his teachings. Billions have done this. We destroyed our perfect relationship with God. Only God could restore it. And he did it in a very gentle way, absorbing our failure and arrogance on himself through Jesus. Jesus was human so that he could show it could be done, but with the knowledge that we could not do it ourselves. I also think he may have enjoyed being human, relating to his people, but I think he was pressured by evil and overcame it. He experienced the problem of denial. He experienced the problem of loneliness. He experienced the problem of absence from his loved ones. He experienced all of these things, our mental, emotional, and our spiritual selves. In all sense of the concept, Jesus became a presence of God among men that we could relate to without destruction. Lived, worked, befriended, taught, loved, ate, laughed, celebrated, cried, worked, slept, became tired, experienced everything as a human experience, bad and good. But taught by word and deed, love, faith, worship, and showed the path for our return to God. He then experienced the ultimate human feeling of death and pain, physical, spiritual, and emotional, fantastically absorbed all of our human separation from God and our sin, and then overcame our physical nature and existence. If all of this is claimed and has been shown in our discussions and by the results across humankind, then we, as scientific thinkers, should consider and accept It may take time, but the value is supreme. This podcast 25 will end our discussions, our chats, maybe even our lectures, depending on how you view them, about considering Christianity as a scientist and being a Christian and a scientific thinker. Our next series of podcasts will continue the general theme, but I want to discuss the routine thoughts of a scientific thinker and being a Christian in day-to-day observations seeing God, seeing goodness, being mindful of our hubris, practicing the teachings of Jesus in our relationship with our coworkers, ourselves, and with our neighbors, friends, and even enemies, and how all that works. Just as we might think about what we factually and physically observe day to day as scientists, we can observe as those seeking the Christ. I think about this every day as I record these words. I'm driving down the interstate in the United States going between point A and point B, and I am observing people, I am observing construction, I am observing nature, I am observing patterns of the earth, I'm observing everything because I am a scientific thinker. Doing this causes me to think about creation, about God, about people, about situations, about politics, but all within the constraints of me being a believer in our creator God, and in Jesus as his son, for all the reasons that we have talked about in the last 25 podcasts and about 100,000 words. Thank you, and I look forward to joining you in our next series of podcasts.